This is Fantasy Reboot Podcast, where me and my friends attempt to recast some of the world's favourite films. Here's how it works. We'll choose various characters and all suggest actors to play those parts. We'll then discuss, argue and possibly murder each other until a decision is made. At the end of each recording, we'll open it up to you via our Twitter account, at Fantasy Reboot. You can email us, fantasyreboot at gmail.com. If you're not already liking and subscribing, please do. Give us a five-star rating. We love that. On with the show. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 12 of Fantasy Reboot Podcast with me, Simon, with Laura. Hello. Leo. Hello. Roger Superspreader. Hello. (laughs) You're so mean to me. This is our fourth and final Christmas special coming up today. I think it's the greatest film of all time, but it's for me definitely the greatest Christmas film of all time. Yeah. Never asked you guys that. Favourite Christmas films ever? Uh, Snowman. Oh yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Home Alone. Home Alone, Raj. It's a Wonderful Life. Nice. Oh, yeah, it's a great film. And I've seen it written so many times that it is the greatest film or Mm. at least, like you say, Christmas film of all time. I'm so excited to watch it. I've not watched it and we're talking about it today, but I've watched it enough times in the past to uh, pick me characters and lose like I normally do in here. So that's coming up. I can't believe we're on the 12th episode. I know. And we're, well... As you're listening to this, this podcast is going out on the 23rd of December. So, you know, we're, we're about a, a two weeks earlier. We're recording this, but very close to Christmas. Even now, we're excited. We've done our first tin of Quality Street. That's gone. Yeah, we were into probably about the 10th box of mince pies by now. We've done a couple of crates of uh, Turkish. Yeah, and we're sticking another uh, pot of uh, mulled wine on today. Because you've pe- had your decorations up since... What, you've had them up for three weeks? Since yeah, the first, we, we, okay. We normally put them up on the 26th of November, but we put them up on the first today. We were a bit delayed. It was trying to find some a time when we were all together, wasn't it? Great episode coming up today. It's a wonderful life. Uh, but first, it's time for the public results from last week's Christmas special, which was Home Alone, Leo's favourite Christmas film. So you'll be hoping for a result yep. on this one, Leo? Hopefully, yeah. I cannot remember recording this. I can't remember anybody I said for it. I have no, everything you're about to say to me is going to come as a surprise. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I just remembered which one it is. We were getting on so well, all of us, until the final character where there was a lot of swearing and a lot of cheering for Ooh. the part. It was the Jojo Rabbit podcast. Yes. I normally beep the swearing, but there was so much swearing that I couldn't. I had to just cut a lot of it out. <laughs> because this from, is the first time... From someone who would surprise you in the studio. <laughs> I know I did a very big swear. This is the first time we've been in the studio in what I like to call post-Tenet get. <laughs> Laura got to watch Tenet for the first time with an excited me and Leo. And um, Do you remember oh, yeah. though, Roger, do you remember I said I don't like watching films with people that have already seen it because there's pressure... Yeah, and, and I, I'm totally with you on that. I totally agree. I knew I wasn't going to... This wasn't my kind of film. I knew it because I'd seen the trailer about three times, but you guys insisted and insisted, so I ended up watching it, <laughs> and I was bored stiff the whole way through, and I kept thinking, right... Bored? I'm so bored, and I kept thinking, <laughs> I don't want to say I don't like it because that's what they're expecting me to say, and... <laughs> I was really. At what point did that change? No, but exactly. But but I thought this is you know like I was I was I was really trying. I'm thinking right, get into it, get into it. I kept thinking in my head, and I just couldn't. I couldn't hold it in. I mean, after the first ninety minutes of arguing after the credits, right? Leo went to bed 
just looking like he'd been shell shocked in World War One. He just went up to bed <laughs> silently, and I was on the battlefield to what two half past two in the morning, and it uh, wasn't pleasant. No way, it was not pleasant at all over a film. You know what, Laura? I think film? it's because you were so passionate about that film, and I, I love it. I still am. Yeah, no, I know, and. I was just bored and I was trying to explain a film for me is about the acting like if I watch a film I like really good drama I like to come away from it going oh my god so and so was amazing in that that's the kind of film I like and for me the acting was so irrelevant in this film that that, that nobody stood out for me acting wise and it, uh, yeah there was just no storyline and it just was bleh. I, I get why. <laughs> no, but listen, I said I get why it's going to win awards probably for like effects and all stuff like that. But I don't think it's going to win any acting awards and it's not going to win. I would. No, because that's not the point. Of the oh. film. No, I know. Right, you've got to stop. You've got to stop because this is supposed to be a quick intro. <laughs> I mean, it, it does. People are going to be feeling like it's Christmas now because there's an argument brewing. Um, <laughs> do you know what, though? Like, if I could have that tenant machine where you can go back in time, where do you think I'd go to? And what do you think I'd do? <laughs> We wouldn't have watched it. No, I'd have gone back to the beginning of the film and killed you, then watched the film <laughs> happily with, you, with your corpse silently sitting there, which you were like the th- entire film anyway because you fell asleep 15 times. You can't watch a film like Tenet and fall asleep. Yeah, but if a film makes me fall asleep, then it's not good enough. It's the mulled wine. <laughs> anyway. We still haven't watched Jojo Rabbit. Either. Oh, see, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next morning I saw Leo. Leo. Like, I, I'm apologetic <laughs> towards Leo, even though like we're on the same side at team here. And I said to him, don't ask her to watch Jojo Rabbit again. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've been bugging him about that as well. Actually, actually, at that point, Leo was saying he could see both sides. Of course he was. He wanted to go to bed. Yeah, well. He wanted it to ever like Kramer versus Kramer over a film. But again, I didn't say I didn't like it. It just wasn't my kind of film. But anyway, shall we shall we draw a line on Tenet? <laughs> I have I have loads to say, but I won't. <laughs> we might have to do a Tenet deep dive special, but for that, I think we need to watch it again oh. and be together. Uh, so we're talking about um, this is the results for Home Alone. Yeah, uh, first character, my favourite character, Old Man Marley, originally played by Roberts with an S, Blossom. In here, we had great suggestions. Leo's choice of the brilliant David Bradley, Roger, Danny Glover, Simon, yep. Sir Ian McKellen, and I went with James Cromwell. All great. Yeah. And this, again, is all coming to a surprise to me because I can't remember any of this. So they're all great suggestions. I'm, I feel like a listener. Yeah. I think we all went with Leo's choice of David Bradley. Mm-hmm. Great. The public gave... David, 47%. Nice one. Wins a win. Solid. Yeah, great call. So, Simon, you were in second place with Ian McKellen and then, Rog, you and I got 13% each for Danny Glover and James Cromwell. Next character. Kevin's mum, Kate, originally played by Catherine O'Hara. Leo had Elizabeth Moss. Rog went with Tony Collette. Simon, you and I got double trouble with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, which I don't think either of us thought that somebody else would have Jennifer Aniston down. No, and I'd, I went for it and didn't think I'd win, ready to argue. She was my second. Bad. I think yeah. Leo had said he might have thought about her as well. Yeah, no, she was good. Yeah, see, we were we were friendly still at this point. Yep. Um, <laughs> at this uh, point. Yeah, exactly. Elizabeth Moss was last, Leo, with 6%. So she was right down right. the bottom. Second, Rog, 44% for Tony Collette. 
So pretty high. Whoa. 44 in second place. Yeah. That's a winning vote normally. Yeah. I'm on that's unlucky that. Jennifer, 50%. So. Oh, there was only three of them. Yeah. yeah, that's why. So it was close, but yeah. All right. Marv was next. Originally played by Daniel Stern. Leo went with Taika Watiti. Well done, you. Yay. <laughs> uh, Simon with Andy Samberg. And we had another double trouble for Rog and I with the very talented Stephen Merchant. Yes, fair play. Yes. Fair play. Yeah, I, I'm still happy with that one. I can still see it. Yeah, I love him. I love Taika Waititi as well, though. What's he done? I'm only joking. <laughs> Don't start her off. Don't start her off. Well, the public agreed with us, Rog. And really? Yeah. Hey. He got a very high 62%. It's good. I think that's Simon. my best ever vote. <laughs> it is actually well done uh, Simon you were second with 30% Leo Tyker only got 8% and considering I think he's quite a man of the moment you're disappointed with that aren't you it's alright still friends in the studio at this point yeah next up was Harry originally played by we all said possibly irreplaceable Joe Pesci yeah I still think with this one it's one of those where none of the people we picked was right for it Leo Reese Shearsmith who we all love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Roger, John Leguizamo. Is that, have I got that one? Oh, right? close enough. See, Leguizamo. I, I've started picking actors that I know Laurel struggle with. <laughs> <laughs> Just lots of vowels in the surname. Yeah. Uh, Simon said Shayla Booth. Sorry. <laughs> See, now. <laughs> How have you got that wrong? No, I haven't got that one wrong. I was trying so hard with yours that that was. <laughs> Shayla Booth. I've never got that one wrong. I don't know why that I went see. <laughs> right. See, it's the Brilliant. pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if you'd have said you liked Michael Sheen, who's got a really nice, easier name, it would have been nicer to you, but you didn't, <laughs> did you? So we're going... <laughs> I think I might, I might have a hangover today as well. Or, Go on, him. Or uh, early menopause, because I'm really hot today. And I went with Sam Rockwell, who I love. Yep, nice, easy, three-letter yeah, name. Yeah. Pr pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of discussion. I think we even went right down to which one I'd sleep with with this one. It was it was mental discussion. Um, <laughs> yes, we yeah. did. In How that relates to Home Alone. I'm going to have to listen back to this episode <laughs> because it, it's no the most idea. family film we've done for a long time and we went that dark on it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you all thought I would choose Sam Rockwell, but anyway. We went with... Oh God, I've got the pressure now. Shia LaBeouf, right? Yeah, that was right, wasn't yeah, it? Close. Yeah, So we all went with yeah. Shia LaBeouf in yeah. here, which was your choice, Simon. The public put Reese in last place with 14%. They just don't know him. Yeah. I think and he would be great. Him and Steve Pemberton would be a great pairing, actually, yeah. from Inside Number 9 and League of Gemma. They'd be a great pairing for the uh, baddies in... They would, but I wonder if his... I know we've picked somebody British for Dan, for the role of Marv, but I wonder if for Harry, you do need that American... I don't know. You I don't know. know. I think I'd I, I go with that. Uh, John Leguizamo, 21%, Roger. I was second with Sam Rockwell and 29%, which means, Simon, you also won the public vote for Shia LaBeouf for that one. Shiaio Labouf. Shiaio Labouf. <laughs> oh, congrats to me again. Then. Yeah, so uh, doing all right. Final character, obviously, is Kevin, played by the brilliant Macaulay Culkin. Right, what about this? Could they redo Home Alone, where the wet bandits, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci, 
They've just got out of prison. They've been in prison for 30 years or however long it is since the film came out. I think it's 30 years. Because as well as robbing houses, they were murdering people. They robbed <laughs> a lot of houses, Rog. Career criminals, aren't they? And they come back to find modern-day Macaulay Culkin, who's now like a dad with a family. So you could still have... You could have Macaulay Culkin throwing the Christmas party... His mum's still alive in real life, Catherine O'Hara. She's coming to visit. You could have all the original characters as they are now. The original actor's all older. Yeah. You know, his dad's dead in real life. John Heard, he's dead. But uh, oh, yeah. I love that thought of bringing films back. Like, wouldn't it be great to see where 50-year-old Ferris Bueller and Cameron are now? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Such rebellious young men. Where are they now? I'd rather see that film you're talking about than a, a straight reboot, to yeah. be honest. And I mean, if, it's what they've done with Star Wars, Wars, isn't it? When you watch a Star Wars film, the best one they've done yeah. recently is the one where they had them all coming back mm. in. And yeah. you were just sat in the middle of were sitting in the cinema with tears in his eyes like, yes! Uh, Kevin. <laughs> well, this is where it all changed in here. The nice atmosphere. <laughs> we had two double troubles. Did we? Yes. Who did we have? Remind me. Simon, you and Leo... Went with Roman Griffin Davis. From what? <laughs> with From Jojo never, Rabbit, never who it. at this point you were like, uh, well, we're not going to get the votes because it's Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. From, from me. Because Jojo, yeah. Ra- Jojo Rabbit came up because of Taika Waititi and Sam Rockwell, who'd been in the episode previously. Yeah. But yeah. it was Laura that suggested Sam Rockwell and you'd said, oh, surprise, because he's in. So you were being yeah. real cocky about it. You and sorry, and then, you and Leo were being real cocky about it. Laura was yeah, not being cocky about it. Yeah. Oh, and then you were being saying this to me that I wasn't going to go for this. Right. But then Roger and I also went for with somebody from Jojo Rabbit, which was Archie Yates. <laughs> and I feel like you both cheated by going for the kid that's actually doing it. No, I'd picked. I mean, did before. you? Did no. either of you know that? Did either of you know? Because no, I, I didn't know. I, I did after when I was doing my facts. Did you know? Picked. I, I didn't know. No, I didn't know they announced I, it. I only knew because Laura told me during the recording of the episode. So, so yeah, so it went... So it was a double Jojo Rabbit vote, and you've not seen Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, and the reason being was Roger and I had said that we'd seen this clip of Archie, and he's a bit more lippy than Roman. Yeah. And for that reason, we thought he'd be probably... Okay. But anyway, so anyway, it went down to Oracle. Yep. And the Oracle went with Archie Yates. I love the idea of the Oracle, but I think we picked the wrong Oracle. This is the first time she's surprised me. Normally, she doesn't surprise me with who she picks because she seems to pick people who are in her ballpark from the list. This time, you were unbearable in in the lead up to us calling the Oracle. Listen back to the episode. You were unbearable because you were like. <laughs> because he looks more like he yeah, looks like Kevin. I know you were sure because because of his looks, but she actually said she went for Archie because for the reason that Roger and I said because he had that cheekiness look to him. Okay, yeah. So the public, which one did they go for? Yours. I don't know. I've no idea. I mean, if it went on pictures, because I very much doubt people know these guys' names, because I certainly can't remember the names. Okay, well, for the first time ever, we have a double trouble in the public vote. <gasps> it was 50-50? It was 50 wow. <laughs> Double <laughs> trouble! That's brilliant. It's a Christmas miracle. 
if anything sums up 2020, it's the fact that we argued the toss in here, <laughs> couldn't decide in here over two actors, then the public couldn't make their minds up either. <laughs> wow. Yeah, really That's good. a first for the yeah. podcast. I like that. Brilliant. So, yeah. Overall, Leo one point, Roger two points, and Simon and I got three points. Last week, Simon, you had just overtaken Roger in the studio. So okay. Roger, you're still last with 15 points. Simon, you have 16 points. Leo's in second place with 22 points. So you only got one point last week, mm. which meant from your previous week you got four points. So you've actually, you didn't have such a good week as you were catching me up. And I must have had a better week because I've now uh, got a lead of 26. 26 points, good. Yeah. And public, Roger, 10. So yeah, he has, he's Double going up figures. a little. Double figures. Uh, Leo, 15. I've got 21. And Simon, again, way out in front, 33 points. I mean, you don't have to say it's sounding so disheartened. It's it's like a, a miracle. Oh, it's good. It's I'm saying, what a I'm disappointment. Saying, <laughs> there's no way we're catching you. Yeah. But there, I think, well, yeah, there is still room to play with, with the studio votes. That's, well, I think there's two competitions running there in the studio voting. There is who doesn't want to lose overall in series, series one between me and Rog. Yeah. And there is uh, who wants to win overall between you and Leo. Yeah. You know, the studio or the public. Ooh. That's going to be an interesting conversation. Leo looks like... He's not saying too much there, but I think I'm inside not, he's got that. I'm not, I'm not competitive. Oh. How is he not competitive, by the way? He is our kid, and we will pull our fingernails out trying to win competitions. You've, you've diminished my drive to win. I've seen what it does for you. <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't yeah. even, he didn't even tell me uh, a comment that uh, a teacher had made, like having a go at me about uh, Tom Cruise. Which, by the way, I will be bringing up if we do another episode. Because he fears you. The teacher fears you. Leo fears you. Roger fears you. I fear everybody listening fears you. Everyone's scared of you. No, they're not scared of me. And but they said that. And you're mental. But the funny thing is, out of me and you, I'm so much nicer to. Roger will tell our you this. Friends. Roger will tell you this that I'm absolutely one of the worst people on earth, but for some reason, charismatic. I- I don't know why you come across so well because the truth is, it, the truth is unbeepable. If I was to say the truth, I would I would be kicked off all broadcasting ever about what <laughs> about the real Simon Smedley. Yeah, exactly. I'm the one that gives Roger mulled wine and mince pies. Exactly. But there could be medical reasons for why I'm like I am. So be careful what you're saying because if it does come out, you're going to look back on this podcast and <laughs> it's going to be one of your skeletons, ah. trust me, when the medical reasons for my condition come out. <laughs> All right, look, that's the last uh, results. That's uh, episode 11's results for Home Alone. Thanks, guys. Um, we're going to cut across now to our final episode. All right, hello, everybody. It's Simon here. It's Laura. Hello. Leo. Hello. Roger. Hello. All in the same room for the first time. It's got to be a month. Easily a month. Which is so weird and it's so nice, isn't it? It is. That'll soon pass. It's lovely to see Roger. <laughs> We've all been blabbering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't believe how much has changed since last time we saw you. I had a beard and then the beard went. As I Roger wanted to say on the, on the Zoom when we Zoomed a yeah. little while ago, I was like, is that a beard or is it just a bit of a shadow? <laughs> Mate, that, surprisingly, <laughs> that was only about two weeks growth. <laughs> For me, because as you know, I can't grow a beard, and it was really nice and wintry. I've never, you've got a beard. 
Yeah. Laura has. And um, <laughs> I didn't realise how comfortable it were to have a sit and have a scratch. It's crazy. Rub it? your beard and feel, gives you that feeling when I'm out doing my walk in the morning, bit of fluff, you know. <laughs> you were upset when you shaved it off. Well, Laura, you? A, I looked three stone heavier as soon as I shaved, shaved it off. I did not like it at all. Grow it back then. I know, but now, because I was, I thought I've got all winter to grow it. I see, right. Really disappointed. I think you should grow it again. Oh, dear now. It made you happier. I, I, Jolly. Not, it's, it's a comforting <laughs> thing. I've never had it in my life, ever. So we'd grown it. I'd grown it. We'd grown it. <laughs> I'd grown it because Leo grew his moustache for Movember. Yeah. And then about two days before in November, I'm like, let's wax it off. I'll grow mine and we'll wax them off together. Ooh. But then I watched him wax his off. It wasn't fun. No. 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 I forgot we did wax that. Wax isn't made for the face. No. Didn't feel like it, it looked like, you know when you see an old person on a parachute jump and the face is all wibbly wobbly? <laughs> the slow-mo of his tash getting ripped off was like that wibbly wobbly skin. You wouldn't expect that pliability in his face, but it were there. So yeah, lots happened. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Topping off 2020. Uh, this is... Uh, Two days before Christmas, this is going out. 23rd, I think. Yeah. yeah. This is the final episode and the final film we're doing. And we've saved, I think, the best for last. It's our fourth Christmas special. It's It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is a 1946 festive film that is number one on most polls of the greatest Christmas movies. And with good reason. James Stewart plays George Bailey, a man who thinks the world would be better without him. So it's down to trainee angel Clarence Sodbody to show George that he's wrong. I've said this before on this podcast, It's a Wonderful Life is my number one film of all time not just Christmas film my favourite film of all time yeah I think everybody here you only saw it for the first time last year Leo the yes, whole way through it's the first time I've stayed awake for it we've <laughs> Christmas his, Eve his entire life we've put it on every Christmas Eve and every Christmas Eve he's fell asleep which is what kids do yeah you know but last year the whole family managed to stay awake oh, and watch it so dick. you're the newest to it thoughts on It's a Wonderful Life yeah, I, I can see why it's your favourite film uh, it's not I don't think it's aged Really, it, it's still entertaining. It's not like slow like other old films, no. really. Yeah. No, it's not melodramatic like a lot of old films as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's not uh, politically outdated in any way. I can't think either. No. No, it's it's just capitalism, really, with Mr. Potter. Yeah. And that's still a thing today, really. You yeah. Know, so, yeah. It's got a great Christmas message and a great message, I think, personally as well. It can, you know, oh, totally. if you think about it. I do, I think I might have been an adult before I first ever saw it, before it came an annual thing for me. I definitely was. Yeah, you know? me too. Me too, I was. And I think it was. A, it's a bigger tradition in America. I think it's, since the world's gone a bit more global with the internet and stuff, last 20, 30 years, it's become a much more international thing to make it a tradition. And But now, I can't imagine life without it, really. Even now when we're talk, just talking about it, and it, it's like dead relaxed chat, I, 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 I hold it so dearly that I'm quite delicate around it, like yeah. quite nervous. Yeah. I don't want to just pull in and be like, oh, it's so amazing. And this is <laughs> well, it, which it is. This is the first film we've not watched for the podcast because we watch it on Christmas Eve as a tradition every year. Oh, so you're not going to break this? So what is it today? Three days before that. And I couldn't bring myself to watch it <laughs> before. I'd have watched it twice, but I, I, I love that feeling. If we were recording this six months ago, maybe, but it's not like we're coming in blind because I 
probably have seen it 50 times. Still took me four hours to choose my characters, though. Yeah, you struggled on this, didn't you? Did you? Because you said you were going to have trouble, oh, Roger. Well, it's the idea marked people all the way through us recording this. We've been recording this for about three months, right? On and off. Yeah. And I'd, I'd held people back. And then when I finally watched it, I was way off. Yeah. So it took oh, me days. So I wonder to get if we were. Well, same. I hadn't necessarily kept them for this role, but I was hoping I'd be able to use them that they'd fit at in. some point. But right. none of them, no. none of them fit. I was the same. Wow. All right. So as usual, we are going to start with some facts. Uh, so I'll kick you off. Frank Capra uh, hired a marksman to shoot the window out when Mary was supposed to throw the rock through the old house, which eventually becomes their house. She pretends to throw the rock and the marksman shoots the window through. Uh, but she's an accomplished baseball player. She threw the rock through first shot. I am not on Tinder, but that would be one of the things I look for in a woman. Can you throw good? A good arm. I love, I love a good arm. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Well, you need them to have a strong arm, don't you? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, your problem is yours are good at punching, Laura, and not so much throwing. Um, so that's my first fact. Anybody else? Uh, it's James Stewart's and Frank Capra's favourite film. Yeah, we saw him talking about it. We watched him on... On Terry Wogan or something like that, or Michael Parkinson. We watched an interview with him, and he's a really old man. You would think he'd be bored of talking about it. It's yeah. probably 50 years since he made it, and he, he was still. I think it's because um, he talked about that scene where he's saying prayers over his martinis yeah. in the bar, and, it, and he genuinely cried. And I think it, he said that that film made him so emotional. And I think that's why he said that was one of his reasons. And he'd just come back from war. He was a soldier and a hero, which is the part his brother ends up being in the film. And that was, he'd actually gone on to set quicker than they thought he would be able to. So he was obviously shell-shocked, PTSD, whatever you call it. So when he did that bit, that was, yeah, raw. And you can tell that. He actually went to court because of it. When they were starting to colourise a lot of black and white films, he was brought in as a witness for the defence against colourising films. Really? Because he was so offended at what the colourised version of It's a Wonderful Life had done to his memories of the black and white one. Really? Yeah. yeah. Because you said you started watching the colour one yeah, recently yeah, and well, switched it off. Yeah, to, to research this, and I, it just didn't feel right. Even just when you see the, the Liberty Bells uh, at the beginning, which is just the, the credit for the film studio that made it, oh, it just feels so wrong. So I turned it off, and then I found out doing these facts that, that, that James Stewart had the same sort of feeling. Yeah. Uh, the sliding gym floor, which they dance on, uh, they do the Charleston competition and the uh, floor ends up opening up and they fall through it. That's still there. It's a school in Beverly Hills. It's Beverly Hills High School, actually. Still in use today. Sliding floor still works. Beulah Bondi, who plays Mrs. Bailey, his mum, she didn't need a lot of rehearsal because she'd played his mum three times before that. But she's good, his mum, isn't she? She's a bit strict and a bit, like, straight down the line. And that scene when he, you know, when he's gone back to see the world without him and his mum doesn't know him is a hard scene yeah 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 that's good you know that weird wish machine the uh i wish i had a million dollars yeah that's a a cigar lighter that is temperamental doesn't always work so that's why he's like when it lights he's like yeah hot hot dog dog. (laughs) (laughs) that is fantastic Uh, the set for bedford falls constructed in two months one of the longest sets that had ever been made covered four acres 75 stores and buildings, a main street, a factory district, a large residential and slum area. Uh, the main street was 300 yards long, uh, three whole city blocks, so three New York city blocks long. And Amazing. it looks great in it the film. It does look like a real town. Yeah. It, it's actually 
hurts me that it's not a real town yeah. where you could go today yeah. and see it. But like like Leo was saying, how some of those old films they look like sets, but this doesn't look like a set. Yeah, this mm. is like you know, it's totally believable. It's great. RKO originally planned to have Cary Grant in the lead role, but after rights change, they just decided to go with James Stewart. And he's in The Bishop's Wife, which we've been talking about off-air, pre-record, which we only watched for the first time over the last couple of weeks. Very similar plot. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Cary Grant's the angel. I prefer James Stewart. Yeah, James Stewart yeah. is way better. Uh, I mean, they're both great, but and they're, but they're quite different, and I'm so pleased that they went for... Oh, yeah. ...for James Stewart. It's one of them, and I mean, that's why this is going to be odd. Thinking of anybody else doing it is, is, is going yeah. to be very difficult. Uh, before the film, cornflakes were painted white and used as falling snow, um, but due to them being loud when they landed, uh, dialogue had to be dubbed in later. So the crew actually invented a new technique for making snow for this film. Yeah, it's fantastic. Which is great, isn't it? Yeah. And that's the only Oscar that this film won for. It was a te- technical achievement, and it was the invention of this new snow. Didn't win any other Oscars. Nominated for five, only won that one. I was just thinking... Was it um, Home Alone? They use mashed potatoes. Mashed flaked mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go on. What have they used in this? It, uh, well, they reinvented it. They did something else. It, 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 it used to be cornflakes painted white. It's, it's flakes of ice, and uh, there's something else as well. Oh, it's the stuff that you get in fire extinguishers. Yes, fire extinguishers. That's right. The foam. Yeah. Uh, it was filmed in the summer. It was so hot the production was put on hold at times. You can actually see Stuart in that scene where it's really snowy, where he's going up to the bridge. You can see the sweat beading off. Yeah. Him. In their Bailey house is an actual photo of James Stewart when he was six months old. They used a real picture. Oh, cool. I always wonder about that in films. Do you know what? That, that distracts me whenever I see a, a yeah. picture of the yeah. character yes. Young. I'm like, is that a real one? Yeah. So that was a six-month-old. Well, here's a little... Uh, uh, we're going to go off uh, course a little bit here. But a friend of ours told us how much you get if they use your picture in a film. He was asked to photograph, to put some photos on a wall in a film... And it was something like £10,000, a photo. No. And he provided the photos for all the walls and all the... So, and it's, and, yeah. it, and you, it's every time you, it appears on screen, it's like that. What a gig. What and, a gig. And, and photography wasn't even his thing. No, he's a painter. <laughs> uh, the FBI didn't like the film because they said it was communist propaganda, really. Yeah, well, that's what Roger said at the beginning about it being a capitalist, yeah, uh, yeah. having a pop at the capitalist, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it is to some degree, I guess. Yeah, but. I mean, there's that whole thing with Mr. Potter um, being, uh, you know, the yeah. money-hungry... Um, Scrooge. Scrooge, and he'd actually played... Barrymore had actually played Scrooge, and that's how he got the part oh, as Mr. Yeah. Potter. Did you pick up on this one? How many bells rang throughout the film? Oh, I wonder, because every time a bell rings... An angel gets her wings. Gets wing. How many bells would you say? Don't know. No, five 42. Whoa. So if Clarence is right, 42 angels got the wings. 41 including him, of course. I like that one. The, at the end, when they sing Old Lang Syne, it was going to be Ode to Joy. Yeah, what a great song. Yeah, but... World Cup song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So everyone would know it. <laughs> but there's something, there's something about Old Lang Syne, because when... It works. Oh, it's it, got to be That's what I'm saying. Syne, yeah, yeah when, when you sing that at New Year... There's something really quite emotional, I, I yeah. find, anyway. Yeah. Uh, the script was originally considered too racy. They took out lines like, out all night, in reference to Violet. And um, Clarence and George had to have no hint of nudity when they climb out of the river. Yeah. They, that was insisted upon by the censors. <laughs> Clarence's voice, voice 
Clarence's voice is heard right at the start of the film when he's when they're in heaven and it's a little yeah. special effects there. Yeah. He doesn't appear in the film until the last 30 minutes yeah. and then he's only in it for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, iconic. Yeah, isn't it though? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's just thrown me that. Yeah, it's mad. Well, a lot happens before the for the switch, the old switcheroo. I suppose, yeah. It wasn't actually meant to be a Christmas movie. This it was due for release in January. The fact that it's now become such an iconic Christmas movie, and yet it wasn't even meant to be one. Yeah, wasn't even meant to be one, and it was a flop. Didn't even break even. Frank Capra had to sell Liberty Films as a result of losing half a million himself. Um, I've already mentioned that it was nominated for six awards, only won one, which wasn't for anything special, just for the technical achievement. But then it was when copyright laws lapsed in uh, America that TV started just showing it. And a few other ones, I imagine, maybe The Bishop's Wife, maybe. Yeah. Because um, no one had renewed the contract. Uh, sorry, no one had renewed the copyright. So in 19, it's only from 1974, so th- oh, nearly 30 years later, that it got its popularity that we now experience today. When the pharmacist slaps little George, which is one of the hardest scenes to oh, watch in any film. That scene is one of those scenes that has stuck with me. You know, there's certain scenes in certain films that you can't get out of your mind. Totally. That's one of them. Yeah. The actor who played the pharmacist had to get drunk to do the scene. Slap the little kid for real and the blood is real. He actually made his ear bleed. <gasps> really? Is it? How hard have you hit somebody? Oh. I mean, that's got to be proper damage to your ear. Mm. Oh. How could they not use makeup well, for that one? Different. T- I've got written down here, genuinely, different times. <laughs> I've got that written on my sheet. Oh, that's so sad. I've got one that has sort of spoiled something in this film for me. I tell the kids this every time we watch this film, that uh, I think the cab driver is Ernie and Bert's the yeah. policeman. Yeah. And I was told that that's where they got Bert and Ernie from Sesame Street. Don't <laughs> tell me it's Mate, not. I'm deleting this. For this is- years. Yeah. I tell these every year. Yeah. That's Bert and Ernie from Sesame Street. That's where they got it from. Yeah. Not true. And I've watched... Oh. When I found that fact <laughs> out, I had to watch interviews with Jim Henson's son talking about it. Yeah. And he said, no, it's totally unrelated. You know, it's just a coincidence. No. Madness. It can't be I have believed that all my life. As long as I've known about this film. <laughs> You've ruined Christmas for me. I know. Um, just a bit about the script. The film was based on on a short story called The Greatest Gift um, by a guy called Philip Van Doren. And he, one year, decided to send it out as a Christmas card, basically. And then um, Hollywood obviously got hold of it. I think it was Cary Grant. Oh, really? Yeah, Cary Grant then showed it to some producers. Ah, right. And then the screenwriters, Francis Goodrick and Albert Hackett, they're um, a couple... They were credited for the screenwriting on the film, but they had actually walked out before before it was finished because they didn't like the treatment of um, from from Frank Capra because apparently he was yeah. quite difficult to work with. Mm, yeah, I've got one more. Go on. So Barrymore, who played um, Mr. Potter, Lionel Barrymore, did not believe that Donna Reed could be such a Hollywood what do you call it screen idol and have grown up on a farm on Iowa. Different times. He didn't believe her. So he said he'd give her $50 if she could milk a cow. She said it was the easiest 50 she's ever made. <laughs> yeah. uh, did she do it with a blindfold on? Is, it that, <laughs> is that the old joke? <laughs> well, that's your facts then. And a lovely bunch there. And uh, we're going to move on to our first character. Uncle Billy's George Bailey's forgetful and slightly ditzy uncle. He is indirectly responsible for a chain of events that leads to George's crisis. He also has a zoo full of pets. 
including a crow. It's true. I only noticed a crow in the film, but apparently he's got a load of pets, Uncle Billy. Yeah, yeah, he goes to his house a little, um, for a brief scene and he's got tons of them. He's a weird part, Uncle Billy. I kind of like him and there's a bit of the film where I really hate him. And yeah. then I think, George, why are you taking the rap for this dickhead? You know what I mean? Because did, George did nothing wrong. Anyhow, uh, we are going to crack on with Uncle Billy, played originally by Thomas Mitchell. He works at the Savings and Loan. Yeah. He's got the little pieces of string knotted around his fingers to remember things. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we're going to have our round the room on who we think we should play. That's what we do on this podcast. Leo, who are you going for? Uh, James Nesbitt. Good. Uh, Roger? I've gone for Tom Hanks. I've gone for Sean Penn. Oh. Laura? I've gone for Toby Jones. Oh, what a great suggestion. (laughs) Right. Wow. Not an actor on there who I don't think we don't love. Four great actors. (laughs) That's so different. So broad. Uh, Leo, give us your reasoning. James Nesbitt. Uh, okay, so he can play the little ditzy Irish man part. Well, Billy's not Irish, but I'm sure he Does could. Doesn't matter. Be. Yeah. Uh, the Hobbit, he's a little idiot dwarf. Oh, yes, I remember it now. He's actually... He's tall in the, real the life, though, one. right? Yeah, he's tall in real life. Yeah, yeah. Peter Jackson, when he casts <laughs> that bunch there, went for quite a broad range. I mean, we've gone for a broad range of yeah, actors yeah, here yeah, from yeah. different backgrounds. Yeah. Jackson really just threw a dart in a board, didn't he? <laughs> well, let's get James Nesbitt in. Well, it's funny He's because one of the better dwarfs, isn't you're it? so yeah. you're using that, that film as the example, and when I think of James Nesbitt, I think of um, coupling. No, not coupling. No, uh, cold feet. Cold, cold feet. feet. Yeah. I yeah. think of him in that, and I think of him in that. I, I, I've never seen that, but in, in that he's playing the somewhat nice guy. I've seen him play a lot of serial killers as well. Like he's he yeah. plays the evil part. So he's hateable, likable, but. Oh, he, he looks all right in a suit, so he can he, he pulls off the uh, Irish banker, whatever. He's sympathetic as well. He's, yeah, yeah he's, he's very good. He's likable. I love him. And you watched him in the one where his kid got kidnapped. Yeah. That oh, was yeah. really good. He's also got previous experience of being the idiot uncle in the, is it Yellow Pages adverts? Where he shaves, his, shaves his nephew's hair. <laughs> <laughs> shaves his nephew's hair. Oh, that's very good. I am. He's, much, he's the right age range as well. But I am struggling to see him as Uncle Billy. I love him and I... Yeah, I, I, at the minute I am. Roger, uh, Hanksy. Yeah, so Hanksy, well, he's George's favourite uncle, Uncle Billy, a uh, guidance and mentor in parts of the film. And and until a couple of years ago, I would have suggested Tom Hanks to play George, but now he's playing exactly. the uncle. If, if, if Tom Hanks was 20 years younger, maybe a little bit younger than that. Got it nailed on. We wouldn't have been, a, there would have been no other option for George, it, I don't think. But exactly. Just recently, well, he's played um, Mr. Rogers in uh, Welcome to My Neighbourhood, who is America's favourite uncle. Um, And he's played people like Captain Phillips, who's a little bit older, and Sully with the white hair. So he's he's taking those older roles on. Um, And I mentioned this earlier, I've held Tom Hanks back because there's not been a part right for him up until now. You know, and I just thought, let's put Tom Hanks in there. Let's let's make Tom Hanks fit the role and let's make Hollywood's biggest superstar of maybe the last three decades. Let's put him in a supporting role and see what happens. Mm. I mean, Uncle Billy is a he is a bumbling fool in this. Yeah, he doesn't. There's not much uh, range for sensitivity. No, no. Which Tom Hanks is brilliant for. Yeah, but. Tom Hanks has played Forrest Gump. Yeah. You know, he can do so. 
I don't know what the right word is for it, but you know, he can do slower and simpler yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, and he, he's also very good with like with business and yeah. the whole thing about him having a crow and all those pets at home and the the string on his fingers. Tom Hanks would be right into that. He'd make that so good. He would. He's Uncle Billy is well down the pecking order. I would say in order of importance in this film. Yeah, you know, there's which is why he's first on this. He's, yeah, he's yeah. the kind of the fifth most popular one we could think of in the film. Yeah, having Tom Hanks in. Yeah, I think he. I I'm I am struggling with sticking Tom in that role. <laughs> I know I can. Both but of them are great. He could so do far. it, obviously. Yeah, he could do it. Uh, Sean Penn, <laughs> Uncle Billy, to me is a kind of a grizzled, wrinkly face about him. Yeah. So Sean Penn looks like him already. And Sean Penn, like Tom Hanks, he's good at being tough. Not like Tom Hanks for that bit, I guess, but he's good at being tough. But when he does Dead Man Walking and when he did I Am Sam, which is, it's the one that they take the mick out of in... Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder, where... Okay. You know, but... His range as an actor. I don't think we even need to discuss that. Mm-hmm. Sean Penn is incredible yeah, yeah. on screen. Great screen presence. And can do that mumbling, frustrating. Because Uncle Billy's frustrating. Yeah. Like when he leaves that money and he's at the bank and he's counting his fingers and potters on the rod behind him. He's thinking, come on, Billy, you're it. You know, and I can sort of see that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't really have anybody else when I, once, I'd, once I'd got him. Uh, Sean Penn for me. Laura. Okay. Well, I think Toby Jones is all of the three of yours. What you've each said. Yeah. Um, I think Tom Toby Jones has got that bumbling full kind of act that he can put on that he has in so many roles. Um, I think he's he's he is already short. And there's that scene where they're crossing the road. Um, him and James Stewart, George Bailey. Obviously, George Bailey is this tall, handsome mm-hmm. character. And then Uncle Billy's like running behind you know yes yes yeah you're Um, right and he's he's really quite little um that's fair enough so i was looking for somebody that was like short that was one of my criteria somebody that was short (laughs) and and bumbly and then there's that crying scene where he's it's almost like over overacting and and i've seen toby kind of be like that as well as being the straight uh character that that uncle billy also does so i think yeah, that so the the things that you guys have all said that you find in your uh, choices, I think Toby's got all of those things, and as as all the others are, he's an amazing actor as well. So there's no disappointment here for me. I don't think, other than not winning, if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> for me, for me, it's just about which one is most like Uncle Billy, and, and yep. I, they're all amazing. I love them all, but. All right, as usual, we are going to write down our answers. Feel free, I love it when we get tweets after the show goes out, by the way, so feel free to tweet us with your suggestions if there's other actors you think for it, at Fantasy Reboot, or if you think one of our suggestions is great or a mile off. I would love to hear them. All right, starting with you, Leo. Who have you gone for? Toby Jones. Roger. Toby Jones. I've gone for Toby Jones. Oh! Three for Laura. What do you go for, Laura? Oh, I've, uh, Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Well, no disappointment. I've got to be honest, as soon as you said him, yeah. he looks exactly like Uncle Billy that yeah. I've got in my head. And when I said Sean Penn, I thought, if I can make you picture Sean Penn, half the battle's won because he looks, he's got the grizzled little yeah, Uncle Billy face. Yeah. Half the battle's won for me. 
but Toby Jones looks way more laughing, <laughs> and I love him. So, uh, so that's first character done. Toby Jones is playing Uncle Billy in It's a Wonderful Life. Fantasy Reboot Podcast. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. We'll move on to character number two. Mr. Potter is a chair-bound capitalist baddie, hell-bent on owning everything in Bedford Falls and ruining the Baileys. He steals $8,000 from the Baileys and uses their loss to try and shut them down. Horrible man. Horrible man and, of course, um, uncle to Michael Barrymore. Is that... Uh, no, it's not true. Face. Obviously, uh, he's, isn't he? I um, that to be true. He's, de- he's um, Drew Barrymore's granddad, isn't it? Oh right, okay, that's good. Is it? No, I think it is. Is that real? No, I think it is. Okay, <laughs> she took me bloody <laughs> phone. She's doing, messing about wolf. doing something. Um, so no, he's, he's definitely related. She's she's Hollywood royalty. Yes. Um, and there is a story about him. I'm going to get this story wrong now, but what this, I think when he died. I'm going to get these names wrong. This is a really good anecdote so far, isn't it? I should do I mean, more of this. I should do spoken word. It's died for a job. well. Yeah. It's died well. Errol Flynn. I'm going to get these names wrong here. Elmer, it, Elmer Fudd. Clark Gable, Errol Flynn, maybe David Niven. They took his dead body out for one last night <laughs> and they sat him up and played cards with him round the table and stuff like that. Oh, wow. That's a true story. That sounds like something you dreamt. No, no. It's a true story. <laughs> But everyone I mentioned in the story might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Barrymore might not be. I'm sure it's Barrymore who died and they all took him out. Fantasy reboot. Fact check. According to legend, Errol Flynn, comedian W.C. Fields, and poet Sadakichi Hartman temporarily took his dead body and propped it up at a poker table. End of fact check. Well, he was so good at this role. <laughs> That Mr. Potter is number six on the AFI's 10 worst villains of all time. Is this the one that Kevin's brother from Home Alone's number two? <laughs> no, 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 that's the worst bullies. <laughs> oh, uh, Hannibal Lecter, Norman Bates, Darth Vader, The Wicked Witch of the West, previous podcast, Good. Nurse Ratchet, and then Mr. Potter. There's some big baddies on that list, and Mr. Potter, to be sitting in his wheelchair alongside those, he's done pretty well, hasn't he, Mr. Bar- Mr. Barrymore? Every time you say Barrymore, all I can think of is Michael Barrymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it doesn't, he's not in it either. <laughs> right, I've got the um, family tree up here, so you might just have to bear with me a little second while I get this done. What's her name? Drew Barrymore, isn't it? I'm not going to be able to do it in time. That's the family tree is incredible. Fantasy reboot. Fact check. Lionel Barrymore was the elder brother of Ethel and John Barrymore, the uncle of John Drew Barrymore and Diana Barrymore, and the great uncle of Drew Barrymore. Cool story, bro. End of fact check. He's a great villain. He's a great pantomime villain. He, I think he can walk. He's in a chair for the most of the film, but yeah. apparently can. he's mobile. It's the least. greatest wheelchair in film. Got this beautiful wood frame up behind. It's a throne. It's a throne on wheels. <laughs> throne on wheels. Who wouldn't want one of them? Just seems to have no agenda other than being an absolute tosspot. It's just <laughs> a horrible piece of work. No sympathy, no nothing. You know. And um hates the Baileys with a passion. And he's got a great face. So there you go. We're going to go around the room. We're going to suggest our actors for Mr. Potter, the bad guy in It's a Wonderful Life, Roger. Ken Branner. 
Ooh. Uh, can you say that backwards for Tenet fans out there? Really? Nip, nip, And Tenet fans in here, Laura. Uh, I've oh. gone for Ben Kingsley. Oh. Mm. I've gone for Gary Oldman. I've gone for Meryl Streep. Oh! oh! We need a gender swap special effect. We do. I don't know if it should be like a deep voice going to a high voice. <laughs> gender swap. And then that, like boobs appearing. ba doing ba Like a bunch of special effects cartoon style. <laughs> yeah, I, it could work for boobs or balls. Boobs or balls. You've yeah. all done gender swaps. I've not done one. Never done one. Have you not? No. I what she means is, by the way, on the <laughs> podcast. You just took it. What I'm saying is, there's nothing wrong with people who do do it, but none of us three fellas were previously oh, women. Dear. I've had too many mulled wines today. Oh, yeah. We should have mentioned that you started drinking at nine o'clock this morning. You've got Baileys in my coffee. And it's about four o'clock now. So um, so we'll start with you, Rog, on Kenneth Branagh. Well, you mentioned Tenet straight away. And I, so if, if Mr. Potter in this film is like the capitalist bad guy, right, when it's a very American film, mm. in 2020, the equivalent of that bad guy is Sator in Tenet, who's the richest and meanest man in the world, whereas they call Mr. Potter the richest... In the film, they call him the richest and meanest man in America. Yeah. So that's so he's got previous. I love watching him on screen. He's so good as a baddie. If you look at his, like, eye area, his yeah. brow, he looks like Lionel Barrymore, I'm sure of it. Yeah, I yeah, can yeah. See it. yeah. Um, and in Tenet, you watch his backstory unfold about why he's such an evil, self-obsessed hate figure. What I love about it's a, it's a Wonderful Life is you don't get any backstory with Nothing. Mr. Potter. He's just a horrible, horrible man. Yeah. And I think Kenneth Branagh would be so good at that. Just, like, who hurt you? Why are you so evil? Yeah. Like, you know. Instant bad guy. Instant bad guy. As soon as he walks on screen in Tenet, you know. Ben Kingsley, same thing. Yeah. I mean, so good at bad guy. He's done films where he's not a bad guy. Gandhi's all right. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> pretty nice in that one. Yeah. Um, but we've all seen him in films like Sexy Beast. <laughs> that is one of my favourite characters of all time. Insane. Yeah. And uh, in Lucky Number Slevin, he's, I think, is that someone we were talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've forgotten he was yeah, in Yeah. And he, but he plays uh, the Mr. Potter character in that is he the businessman in a skyscraper, which you've got to think about in modern times. Yeah. This is not going to be a, a crummy little town in the middle of nowhere sort of thing. It yeah. would have to be played out on a larger scale somehow. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So with Potter's the thing, yeah. a multimillionaire, magnate of some kind. Um, ben Kingsley, when he's in a suit, when he's doing serious, is absolutely terrifying. He's pantomime, like Potter, and like Kenneth Branagh, I guess, he's pantomime evil. He can't... Sexy beasties, pantomime criminal yeah. through and through. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, why I said Ben Kingsley. I thought about Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill. Yeah. And when he's doing the shouting scenes, it reminded me of Mr. Potter when he's shouting across the room. Mm. So, yeah, that's... And going back some, Gary Oldman in Leon, the professional. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, he is a bad guy and yeah. a half in that film. Yeah. So. Well, he's quite a d dark person, I think, in real life. A bit. Well, he's yeah. He's had big problems over his life with alcoholism. What's yeah. the one with Kathy? Nil by mouth. Nil by mouth. Oh my goodness. Nice guy in that. Great guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think he's he's got the darkness. Yes, he's got the darkness. Uh, Leo, 
Meryl Streep. I mean, she's not got much range, so why Meryl Streep? (laughs) (laughs) A surprising suggestion. Just because of Devil Wears Prada, she is exactly this part, the the head of the multi-millionaire Vogue business who doesn't care about anyone else except herself. And just wants the money. That that that's all she is in that film. And she's cold-hearted, evil, big little lies. She's also she she's her insane. personality in that is horrible. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. So good. I forgot about that role. And yeah, she is. She's horrid. Is she Cruella Deville? No. Who was Cruella Deville? That's um, Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah, it just. She's Meryl Streep. I mean, I, 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 she can sell herself. She's a, like Roger said with Tom Hanks, she's a bit of an ace in the pack that yeah. I don't think anybody's pulled her out yet. And to say that Meryl Streep couldn't play a role oh, would true. be very difficult. Yeah. True. And I think true. it's a good part to gender swap, really. It's like making very a, interesting to gender swap it. Making a, the head of a big business. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would say is depends when it's being set. If 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 the remake was being set, you wouldn't have a female as as at the head of a. Not so much in maybe the old days. Yeah, yeah. But again, we're saying like you wouldn't be able to set this in a small town even now because small towns tend to have chains and you wouldn't have the savings and loan and the five and dime and you know all them sort of little shops like that. So, I mean, that's the way I looked at it as like if they're bringing it up to date. Yeah. the, The best bad guy I've seen. Meryl Streep's probably the most cold-hearted. Like, she's not... I don't know if she's shouty evil. She can be, but she's like... she she She's got that greedy look. And she she looks like she's very high class as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Branner does posh really good as well. I mean, yeah. he is posh, isn't he? He yeah. is. Very um, Shakespearean. Yeah. And Oldman and Kingsley, a slightly different breed director, but both. Yeah. Well accomplished actors, yeah, and range, crazy range. Yeah, again, I think we just picked a mix of amazing actors. So We've far, all been holding these back. Haven't we? <laughs> so far, there are eight actors on that board who are all tremendous. So we're going to have a vote, and I don't know what to say. Here we go. I'm struggling. So we'll start the voting with Roger. So I considered Gary Oldman. I love Ben Kingsley, but I went for Meryl Streep because it was the best suggestion. I'd love to see it. I did exactly the opposite. I wanted to vote for Meryl Streep. And as I was writing it, I had originally chosen Gary Oldman. I voted Gary Oldman. uh, Laura. Uh, I've gone for Ben Kingsley. I've gone for Kenneth Branagh. Is that a four-way? Yeah. No way. Hello. Hello, Oracle. Hi. Merry Christmas. Only a couple of days to go. Have you been a good oracle this year? Yeah. I beg to differ. Okay. (laughs) So the part we're doing for is Mr. Potter, the bad guy in It's a Wonderful Life, which I know you've seen. And the four actors you've got to choose from are Meryl Streep, Kenneth Branagh, Ben Kingsley, and Gary Oldman. Oracle, who's your Mr. Potter? Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman gets it in two for Laura. Thanks, Oracle. Stay by your phone. Bye. There you go, guys. So we're going to move on to character number three with Laura. On two. Fancy Reboot Podcast. I am an old man. Most people hate me, but I don't like them either, so that makes it all even. Character number three. 
Mary is George Bailey's sweetheart. He loves her so much, he offers to lasso the moon for her. In the world with no George Bailey, she's supposed to be an old maid. To be honest, she looks about 24. Beautiful too. She's bang right, isn't she there, Betsy Pearl? Um, it's funny how they t- she's supposed to be an old maid. Offensive to librarians because she's supposed to be an old librarian. Yeah. <laughs> didn't they, didn't they, there was controversy about that. Oh, no. Frank Capra said he regretted showing her as a timid librarian. He wished he'd done something else with that scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, originally played by Donna Reed and um, a great part. Um, I've gone for Emilia Clarke from Game of Thrones. I have gone for Emma Watson. Have you picked Emma Watson before? Laura, I think we've got a rule about this. No, I know. And I. Do you want me to explain it now or when it's my turn to speak? Well, you can try and explain it, but I mean, the rule is we don't repeat pick actors. Right. I. This was the hardest one for me, and I looked for ages and ages and ages. It's a lovely speech. No, but (laughs) no, but listen. There was nobody else that fitted that role for me. Literally nobody else. And I'm not even a massive Emma Watson fan. But there is nobody else that that has that. I've got to tell you, you're a big enough fan to pick her twice, though, Laura. And there are yeah, because I think she's a certain type of actress. She's got that. But there's somebody for George Bailey that I think we could all pick, and. I didn't go with who would have been the... In fact, I'm just going to say it. I wouldn't have gone for Eddie Redmayne as George, even though Eddie Redmayne's perfect to pay George. No, Because he could have but been in picked, almost every We picked every Eddie film. Redmayne. We didn't pick her. Yeah, but it's it's if you've already said her. Yeah. Leo, who are you going to say? Margot Robbie. Roger. Rooney Mara. All right. I started with uh, Amelia Clark. Uh, who we saw a clip of on last Christmas last night, which we watched last year, and I'd heard it was an absolutely stinker of a Christmas film. In the end, didn't mind it, and have been looking forward to watching it again this year. I loved her in Game of Thrones, obviously, but I think she's a real sweetie. I think, genuinely, I think she plays sweet really well. Yeah, I went for that sort of... She's got an innocence about her. The clip we saw last night, I thought the same. And it's obviously, I was watching the clip last night with the knowledge I was going to say it today. And I thought, yeah, I've made the right choice there. Right, I went through all of, like, the Little Women films, the, um, like, Pride and Prejudice, you know, those, those kind of yep. remade classical films. And whilst I think Little Women was good, um, some of the actresses in that, I didn't think fit that classical style. Um, Florence Pugh is a good actress, but I didn't think she fit that role because I didn't think she she's classical looking. Emma Watson, she did fit Little Women because she has got that classical look. That's what I'm trying to say. That's the difference between... Is she likeable enough? Well, I think that in that film, she actually proved herself. Yeah, but the classical actress aspect doesn't even matter now because it's a new film. Even we've been re-watching the Harry Potters lately... I just don't get it. I get it while she's in that because in the first couple of Harry Potters, every child in it is terrible. <laughs> so it's fine that she's terrible. But as yeah. they get older, she continues to be terrible. And Mary's lovable. And it's but, heartbreaking. But, but that it, She's done a couple of films recently where I think she has, she, she was likeable. She was likeable in Little Women. She was likeable yeah. in Beauty and the Beast. And she fitted those roles. And in both those roles, she played that classical part. That's why... I, and then yeah. I honestly—they're both period films, though. They're like, but we've not—we've not. We've not yeah, that's, 
I think we did. We didn't go into this saying it's going to be set in olden times. It's going to be a modern film. So the, I, I'm not so hung up on that. But Leo, who did you say? Uh, Margot Robbie. I think Margot Robbie has definitely got that innocent thing to her, especially in the first half of uh, I, Tonya, which is the only half I saw before I fell asleep. There's uh, the only scene that troubles me in the old film is like when uh, James Stewart's like she she's like naked in a bush and he's keeping the what, what it's, it? it's a robot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's the the problem with the film that Mary's too much of a non-character. She's too like a yes, I agree. Uh, so you need someone with a bit more oomph and attitude to her, which I definitely think Margot Robbie in the Suicide Squad films. She's very like she's got an attitude, and I think. Mary does have that in a, uh, bits in the film, but in the most part, she just like listens to George and that's her character. And I think if you're going to update it, you need a more prominent woman. Because I think the film is about George and if you're going to update it. But you've got to have, she's got to be the, it's not sweet and sour so much, but if you're having her and Violet, is it? The blonde-haired yeah, yeah, one? Yeah, the one that looks like she's, Christina she's Aguilera. She's more what you're describing yeah, because do, she's do, the one who's, Wants to get out of the town as well, and she's too big for the town. And uh, I think, yeah, yeah, but- I think it's difficult because we are talking, like Leo's talking about changing it up, and I'm talking about keeping it the same. And it's hard because obviously, you know, times have changed, and the role of the woman has changed a lot over the years. But how much do we want to change to this, like classical film? And and I think for me, I don't think I think the part of Mary actually is quite a difficult role to play because of that fact that she is this quiet character. Mm. And and I think that's crucial to her role is that she was this sweet, innocent girl. And actually, at the end of it, I feel like she is the one that helps George out. Well, it's because, like, George, for all his ambition and his dreams and his goals, she's, I don't think it's sweet and innocent. I think it's, she's centred, like she's his rock. So she's, the yin to his yang, she, he needs her and she needs him. So she follow, she grabs his coattails with the ambitions and the dreams, whereas he needs her to keep his feet on the ground and not to make any rash decisions and to mess it up. And it's almost like a male-female th- dynamic in most relationships, yeah. I think, this, which might not be the right way it should be, True. and the world is certainly changing, but True. it does seem to be, I know in our relationship, you know, you're a lot more the anchor to the family and the yeah, relationship. The, the motherly role. And I, I don't know. And I know just want to leave and travel the world. Yeah. But, the, but I don't know if we should be changing that because I think that's really uh, important to this role. No, I mean, like, there's plenty of times when he outrages and she just says nothing. Like, but again, I think that's quite an important I don't. I don't think message. so. If you're going to. How is that important no, message? Just to be quiet. Because, he, because, because it still happens. Because and I think he actually. Like if he's she, messing she, up. He's not. Yeah. What he's doing is. He's getting he's, angry at himself. He's the one who comes up. He's the one who looks bad in that situation. She comes out of it stronger. I She's think the if, stronger. She, if she became this feisty woman who... Not feisty. I'm talking about like just... I think if she... If she if the, do you get what I'm saying though? You need to like update it a little bit at least. But then would If it, you're making a Christmas classic, for me, it would almost need to be a shot for shot remake with brilliant actors for me to even consider it. Which I mean, brings me to Rooney Mara... She, this she is brilliant like I love her in everything and I've watched films because she embodies the role and like completely just throws herself into yeah. the character I've watched films and then I'm halfway through and I've gone that's Rooney Mara yes you don't realise yeah. and like so Carol compared to the girl with the dragon tattoo that's about as far away as yeah. you can get but I think where Mary is is in a ghost story and in the one at the social network yeah. where 
she's kind of she's whole she's wholesome and she's got great values and she's she's let down by men in her life which is you know it's a, a hollywood trope for years yep. and years yep. and I, and that's why i really like her also i think she's she has got the classic hollywood look uh, at times but she can look very modern as well so if we're modernizing it then we can do it um and she's brilliant I think Margot Robbie's got that range as well. Like Tonya Harding is very different from Harley Quinn. They're polar opposites as well. You could say they're the two halves of Sandy. Oh, sorry. I, I, I can't I keep forgetting. I don't want to bring it up. I know, but I listen back on that episode. I got talked down for this very reason it's that she's sing- not sweet enough. It was a singing. No, she lost on the singing. For me. Which <laughs> turned out to be a terrible decision. Bang on. But the big argument, like what we're having now, is that she was not so far away from sweet. I think we've had, with the other two, we had such good actors. And I would say there's two two on this list that I don't particularly like. And I think... Only two? You only don't like two actors on that <laughs> list? Well, this is a surprise. Mary is somebody that you maybe project onto and maybe have to think about a bit more because she's an auxiliary character but maybe she's not. You know, to me, she doesn't feel like that because I've seen it that many times mm-hmm. that I have sympathised with different characters throughout the film and I love her in this film. Yeah, me too, yeah. You know, and I don't mean the actors, nuanced, I, I love her, yeah. you know, and there's times I think he's an absolute idiot and he, I, as much as I love George Bailey, there's times I think he's an absolute idiot for how he's treating her and things like this. But so, yeah, since Laura bent the rules for herself... Can I vote for myself to bend the rules? I was going to do that. Because I'm really that. happy about that. I've just done that. All right. Uh, I've gone for Rooney Mara. Laura. I've gone for Amelia Clark. I've gone for Rooney Mara. I just started to write Margot Robbie. Okay. So Rooney Mara gets it. Congrats, Rog. Ooh. Congratulations. You want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Well, it has heated up and it is time for character... Number four. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Clarence Oddbody is a trainee angel and not a particularly good one. He's trying to earn his wings and is given the task of saving George Bailey's life. Clarence Oddbody, the little angel. And what a great part. Oh, it's... I mean, so, it's a great film through and through. But it's a great film, but this is such a cute part as well. Yeah. yeah. The way he acts in the real-life situations when people can see him and stuff like that. Yeah. And I love all that double-take stuff in the bar. You know, when he's in the bar and... Uh, yes. Yes. You know, he's asking for drinks and people are doing double-takes and he's saying <laughs> he's an angel and whatnot. What a great part. That's I love it. brilliant. So, we're going to go around the room. It's Laura to start first. I have gone for Leslie Jordan. He is the guy from uh, The Help. He was in The Help and he's mostly known from Will and Grace. He's the little camp guy. He looks older than Betty White. By the way, by the way, Betty White watched 14 days. She could have played the part. Still alive. Yeah, yeah still right. alive. At time of recording. He's, he's a slight... <laughs> he's, do you know it's who slang, he is? did you say? No, he is um, really like little and he's... I can't. You're only allowed to say the name. And yeah, then I mean, you should around. have, yeah. Oh, yeah sorry. Uh, Leo... Write his name down, Laura, because I ain't got a clue who he is. You, uh, Will and Grace. I've never seen Will and Neither Grace. Have I, but I know who he is. But I've never <laughs> seen Will and Grace. M- Mark Rylance. Uh, Mark Rylance from Leo. Roger. Jim Broadbent. 
Okay. Uh, I've gone for Dustin Hoffman. I had Dustin Hoffman down. Yeah. But then I read the recent stories and because he's still being... Hold on. He's not... No, there's been no charges. No, but I read that there there has been indecent things happening. Yeah, I've read the stories. So I thought I can't pick him. Hold on a minute. The charges have been dropped. They haven't been dropped here. They haven't been dropped. The case is still open. So I I thought we better not pick him. I'm glad you went that deep on Dustin Hoffman, but didn't think, oh, we're not allowed to pick the same person twice. I'll just go for Emma Watson again. All right, all right. They, they, They compare. They do compare. That's a worse crime in here, picking the same person twice than... Flashing. <laughs> On that note, Woody Allen would have made a good Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. He would, though. Yeah. Who started? Me. Laura, tell us what who you've gone for for Clarence and why. Yeah, man, you did about 15 minutes before, didn't you? <laughs> I've looked at a picture of him. He looks exactly like Clarence. He does look exactly so like I'll Clarence. So I'll give you that. Now I know who he is. And he's obviously a great comic actor if he's been in Will and Grace, which yeah, is a massive he's hit. he's really funny. And um, I said a couple of times that he's got this campness to him. Um, if you're looking for a like for like, he's very So is Mickey Rooney. He looks more like Mickey Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a couple of videos yeah. and he is very much like Clarence. I think if you had seen him or if you watched a video, you probably would say, yes, he's a perfect Clarence. There'll be people who've, who are Will and Grace fans who are listening who are going, you've nailed it. Right, yeah. let's hold on. Let's just watch a little bit of video from him because she's not going to get any votes unless we have all seen him do something. So here he is. What are y'all doing? This is awful. Is that Betty White? It's still March. How many days in March? That's when not, is April going to... It's not a great clip. <laughs> Watching him do... I hate him. Corona update. <laughs> I need to see him do something. Hope Will and Grace. 12 more best okay. moments. Penguins, please. Honey, that is absurd. There is no such thing as a gay penguin. Well, well, well. <laughs> right. He, he was also in um, The Help. Uh, you probably don't remember the scene. He was behind the desk um, when Emma Stone went in. You took four hours to do this cast. Was it four hours trying to find a reference where Leslie Jordan will be recognisable? I've got to say, from the five seconds of Will and Grace we just watched, it seems like the most annoying TV show of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah. The first it's, two it's, people who've spoken it sound like... But actually, the, the part he played in The Help, I watched that clip, and that part, he's playing a straighter um, yeah. character. And... The mixture of the two, he is his Clarence. But the, the, yeah. I think if you saw that part, I think you'd, you'd think he was pretty good. I think you've had enough time on him, Laura. We did his best. <laughs> you didn't let me give... I should have kept the video. She's literally I? taking another swig of mulled wine <laughs> as if she's not done enough damage. Leo. Right, so... <laughs> he's had enough. He's, he's just want to sleep. Go on. Right, so I, I was going to pick Tom Hanks for this part, but I thought... I don't know what stopped me actually, but <laughs> I thought Tom Hanks could have easily done this and Mark Rylance is British Tom Hanks. <laughs> yes, he is. Mark Rylance is probably one of the nicest looking actors. He plays only good people parts like Tom Hanks. He's just like, he's the BFG. He's the ni- one of the, you, by looking at him, you can tell he's a friendly looking guy and he's got that s- sweet, like heart, uh, wholesome uh, feel to him in anything. It's Bridge of Spies, BFG, Maybe he's, not. He's good in Bridge of Spies because he does bewildered like 
Clarence. Yeah. But he's it's it's he's not bewildered. He's playing no. a part. He's he's yeah. pretending. He's good. He's good that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, I just think he's uh, a perfect Clarence. He's he's got every attribute for Clarence. Roger Jim Broadbent. Well, similar with Jim Broadbent, he just plays lovely, lovely characters. Uh, he's got a real, real like. Just like lovable face, those big wide eyes. Apart from in Very, go on. Only Fools and Horses, when he was oh, slated as a slag. He was the bad guy. <laughs> I've never seen him in that. The entire time. Is he in Hot Fuzz? Brilliant. He is in Hot Fuzz. He's the bad guy. He's a bad guy in Hot Fuzz, Rog. No. <laughs> no, he's one of the coppers, isn't he? Ah, no, there's a twist, there's a dark. Yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. but no, but they're all playing two parts of the character. Yeah, yeah. But that, when that, you said he played yeah, yeah. no bad guys, Roger, but give well, me two examples. I actually, I've thought about him When you think him in of Jim Broadbent, you think of yeah. a good a nice guy. guy. He's yeah. a lovely old man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and we've, I've said the word bewildered already. He's, when he's the policeman in Hot Fuzz, he's playing the bewildered guy. I totally forgot that there was a twist at the end. Yeah, I love him. I love him. Um, Dustin Hoffman, I think all his film roles of late, he's that guy. The, the fuckers, the one yes. where he's... Every Fokker film he's in, he's Clarence Oddbody. He's like a little, he's wearing the caftans, he's a little airy fairy sort of. I, I agree. I think he's perfect for the role. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I Heart Huckabees, I think he was a very similar sort of character in that. Is that was that the film that's Metaphysical Detective Agency thing, which is a really strange film. And Hoffman, to me at the time, seemed too big to be in it, but played a similar. Since he stopped doing cool roles, he's, that's who he's become. Is this little... The last thing I saw him in was the uh, Meyerowitz stories, which was the one with Anna yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's the horrible dad in that. And that's... See, that's... Like, like it's difficult to take your view of someone from the outside out of this equation because like, there's been so many things said about him as well. And it's, so it's difficult to take my view of him out of that, you know. What I'm not doing here is justifying... That's not what this podcast's mm-hmm. about. And what I'm not trying to do is put money in the pockets of anybody who's done anything like that. I think everybody might knows my views on stuff like this, but like I can't argue any more for him. He's perfect for the role. Yeah, he is. You know, if I, I'm the director or the casting agent and find out something like that's true or there's enough mud, obviously I wouldn't hire him. But I, at this I actually point, thought he could play Clarence or Billy. I actually thought he yes, he was I thought good the for same. both of those. The top three are the same. Just Leslie Jordan's just like a camp version of them. So I mean, Leslie Jordan looks a lot like Yeah, that. he's the closest looking. He's going to win the uh, public vote. That's what my prediction is, <laughs> just on the looks. Oh, although people aren't going to know who he is, are they? So. Mm. Yeah, they might not. So, what well, we need to vote in here. Laura, you're first. Uh, I think he's perfect. Dustin Hoffman. Leo. Jim Broadman. Roger. I had Mark Rylance on my list, but I've gone for Dustin Hoffman because it was a better suggestion than mine. Oh, you'd have won. I went for Mark Rylance. So if he had not changed, he'd have won. But Dustin Hoffman, uh, Dustin Hoffman's got it. Fancy Reboot Podcast. We save hard drinks in here for men who want to get drunk first. We're going to move on to our final character for It's a Wonderful Life. This has been a roller coaster of a podcast, by the way. It's this one. George Bailey is a kind and caring man who spent his whole life wanting to leave Bedford Falls and travel the world. But slowly and surely, that dream is taken away from him until one fateful day when George can take no more. Sorry, sorry, I'm coming in later. I'm just checking if mine's a diddler. Has he diddled? Google. Nothing. Nothing on the diddle sites for who I've picked this time. Oh, for George. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, not from George personally. I would very much hope he hadn't, but uh, I better check with my actor. Iconic, uh, heroic, mm-hmm. uh, every man, mm-hmm. and. And really hard again to replace. Very hard to replace. Jimmy Stewart. And, Jimmy Stewart. Um, almost like the life lessons you can take away from his behaviour and how he is as a person, I think that's what makes this film so important. If Mr Potter is in your top ten baddies then uh, if from the AFI voted in 2002, then George Bailey was voted number nine in the top ten heroes by the same poll. Right-o. Leo. James McAvoy. Roger. Ryan Gosling. I've gone for Jake Gyllenhaal. I've gone for Dan Stevens. From Downton. Just to kick off, it's Leo. Leo, we're kicking off with you for George Bailey. Very important part, and may I say, a very broad range of guys Mm, here. Leo, why James McAvoy? I think he is that every man is... He's definitely leading man material. He's is he sweet? I have trouble seeing him as being sweet. Which in, shameless, in Shameless, he's, in shameless, he's, he's very sweet. He wasn't sweet in Shameless. In, in Shameless, he was the wiry, like, estate agent, wheeler dealer kid who came he, in. He's like the nice shagging. one. Shagging. Yeah, but he... He's, he's the nice he, one who stands up to, uh, oh, I don't know yeah, what the Yeah, I think he's... he's and in, in X-Men, he's like the nice uh, handicapped professor. So. I like him. But uh, I don't think I don't think he's George Bailey. So he could be uh, Potter then. If he's got three, why is it? Why is he not George Bailey? I don't think he's got the char the charm. Oh, like, he's definitely no, no, got no, his no, char. He's so charming. No, but in a, I love James McAvoy. He's, he's one of my favorite actors. I don't think he's got that look of a charm. If you think about classical. what he looks like in Shameless, yeah, fine. No, 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 no. I'm talking about if you compare it to what George Bailey is, he's this tall, charming, classical, good-looking kind of... You keep of, going back to James, classical. James is, is the classical doesn't matter. I wouldn't say he's a traditional good-looking guy, and I don't think he's got that. Mm. He's He's got a quirky good-lookingness to him, which I don't think is what George But the Bailey classical... Is. You keep saying classical. Like, yeah, but George is, Clooney's classical. Like, yeah. George yeah, yeah, Clooney yeah, yeah. is Cary Grant and James yeah. Stewart. Yeah. But that, that is, if you're making a new film, it doesn't have to be classical. Like I think George Clooney would be perfect for it, but yeah. he's too old. It's, it's George like, Clooney and Tom Hanks have got... Uh, yeah. Are them yeah. that guy. Yeah. That's what I'm. Uh, yeah, I don't think James. That, Dan, is that if kind you're of... if you're arguing it for Dan Stevens, I disagree. He looks like he's just no, a posh Shakespeare. So you, yeah, you're arguing against yourself there, Roger. Yeah. So Ryan Gosling. Now you're talking about a classic Hollywood golden age of yeah. cinema. Look, yeah. he's 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 America's sweetheart at the moment. If you look at his career trajectory, yep. he's. I mean, he's so good in Drive, where he plays a dark character, but like La La Land, that's classic Hollywood, and that's what James Stewart and is, the Notebook. At the notebook, yeah. exactly. The romantic lead, he can do that. He actually looks the same now as he did when he was 18, when he was in a TV series called Young Hercules. So he could easily do that age, yeah. that big yeah. age uh, age journey that the character needs to mm. go on. Um, but in uh, in Frank Capra's words, the hardest role to cast is a good Sam who doesn't know that he's a good Sam. And when Ryan Gosling played Neil Armstrong in uh, First yes. Man... He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders yeah. and he doesn't understand why he's got that responsibility. He loses his daughter, spoiler alert, in that film and it's it's all about his heartache and his heartbreak despite being the world superhero. And in the sense that George Bailey is every man, but he's a good Sam. I think, just, I just love Ryan Gosling in this role. And he is, you know, what Laura's just been saying, the, the argument that was happening there, he, he's in the same mould as 
Tom yeah. Hanks, George Clooney. He's a classic. Exactly. You're mentioning those people in the same. I think all four of these actors are likeable in their roles, but actually they're all really nice guys in real yeah. life. And uh, I think that's what we're going that's, for. Yeah, that's what George Bailey needs. So yeah. all of them have that quality. You couldn't put an actor in. That's why Hanks would is the perfect guy for this because yeah. universally loved. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal a, might not seem like an obvious one at first, but he's very good. You just said something about Ryan Gosling there where, where he, he doesn't understand why he's in the situation he's in. Yeah. And Gyllenhaal's very good at that, very good at... First of all, I think he's really sweet. He's played not sweet. All of these actors have played different roles, I think. Um, but when he plays that part, when he plays um, like Brokeback Mountain, Donnie Darko... Uh, there are roles he's in where he's got that an innocence to him, but he can also perk up. And let's face it, George, at the start of the film, he's full of beans. He's going off to travel the world. He's got some life in him, you know. So the actor's got to have a bit of that. Look, I like James McAvoy. I like Ryan Gosling. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. And I really like Dan Stevens. So you said it. Yeah, I is, think they've all got it. You've got to love the guy we put in this role. And... Yeah. and- I don't like you said about that quality of not knowing yeah. that they're they're nice people. I think all of these people they, they come across like that in real life. They they all yeah. The and, but when I've and, seen yeah. people say negative things about Jake Gyllenhaal, I don't get it. No, no. When I've seen people take the Mickey out no. him for things, I think, what are you watching? Totally that I'm not the watching point with him because yeah. Yeah. he has an empathy on screen, yeah. and him playing that part when he's going up to the bridge and jumping off. Totally. Look, we've got four great actors up there who wouldn't struggle with that, but. I believe in Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he's the strongest actor on there. Like he's, I think he's, I'm amazed because oh, I, I thought know. you, I thought you'd no, be the one in, who knocked in, t- in terms of acting. I think I, he's the best actor. I think they're all. Brilliant. He's got the broadest range. I think they're all brilliant actors. I love them. Well, all. what Leo's saying there, because Ryan Gosling is very good. Ryan Gosling is is good at the one part. He's know? good at the George Bailey part. Yeah, yeah, a lot, which yeah. is why he's not a bad pick for it. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, for range, I'd say James McAvoy's got a great range because he. He's played psychopaths and, you know, all sorts. <laughs> Gyllenhaal has done it well, but I'm focusing on the part of him that could play this role. Yeah. Um, finishing up with Dan Stevens, okay. who actually, in recent times, has done quite a broad range yeah, of stuff. He's he played a psycho in a film recently and stuff. So, yeah. But he is also... But I feel like, again, I'm the one um, who's behind here because I feel like he's the least known of the four. And obviously he did play a role in Downton Abbey, um, but it, in more recent times he's played... He's in films now. He's moved away from TV. And he played one where he's like a house guest or something. I think he's it was like called a, The Guest, was it not? Yeah, and he's yeah. like a... It seems like he's a serial killer in that. But then he was in the Eurovision Song Contest film as the flamboyant Russian. Yeah. Oh, when, is that him? When I heard that he is was that in that, because he's a posh guy in Downton Abbey, I thought, why has he took this role? What a career killer. He killed that film. No, he's brilliant. Is it the yeah. the rival yeah. singer yeah, yeah. from Russia? So if he can play now that, I know but if you saw is. what he looked like, he's very he's very classic. Yeah, you know, I've seen him in interviews. And I know exactly who he is now. Again, I just didn't know his he's name. He's such a nice guy. Like yep. he's really likable. And it, for what I see in Jimmy Stewart, is as I think for me that the the people that have that look on here would be Ryan and and Dan Stevens. But I but. I think they've all got... Right, Ryan and Dan Stevens to me, you're right, Ryan Gosling and Dan Stevens both are more cookie-cutter for James Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life, as is. I don't think Dan Stevens is leading man. He's played it. He's played... In what? 
Beauty and the Beast. He played. He's it not in- the leading man in Beauty and the Beast. He's in the sp- he's in special effects in, for that entire film. In, in the guest, he plays. He's not the main, main character in that. He's well, he, he comes halfway guest. through the film. I think so he's not I, leading man in this. Like eventually, he will play. Yeah, but he, he's I not. Think, I think he's the roles that he's playing now are kind of like the lead role. N- so. They're not kind of like because he's never played the lead role. I think he's capable of doing it. I, I don't it's, think it's. Uh, yeah. I think any four of them are capable of doing it. I don't. I, I don't. You've got some very different suggestions there. Some. It's a Venn diagram with various overlaps, and it's not. James Stewart's right in the middle. I think they could yeah. all play I it, but so. I think it's how how you, we it's how you interpret it. Interpret it. Yeah. 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 Like Jake Gyllenhaal, I suppose he could put that outfit on and be be nineteen thirties, nineteen forties. Yeah, I think he could oh, do yeah. that, but he could do the modern harried. Well, when we said about George so, Clooney, I think George Clooney has got the perfect look, but actually I think the guys we've put here have got better qualities yeah. to play the role. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart, whilst he was a Hollywood screen idol, he's not hunk, he's, he's not, not Cary Grant, he, he's not yeah. Clark he's not, Gable. Yeah, yeah, he's not yeah. a hunk. He's not but a he's, stunning yeah, looking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. For, he's Tom Hanks. Yes. Where yeah. Tom Hanks is not, yeah. you know... No one's having tanks. <laughs> Tattoo for you there, wow. Laura. <laughs> yeah, but it's true, isn't it? Yeah. I might have. You know. <laughs> We're voting on George Bailey. We're writing down a name now. It's very difficult. We're starting the vote with Leo. Ryan Gosling. Jake Gyllenhaal. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Three for oh! Ryan Gosling. And Roger has got his name on the board for the second time. Can I say oh. that I've never won the room with three votes, by the way? I've never had Have you ever votes. won the room at all? I've won the vote, but I've never had three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never had three votes. As soon as you say it, I thought of La La Land and, he, and it, he's playing. He's, uh, he's playing it's that a great. Part in La La I, I was really torn between Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Gosling because I actually think I prefer like to Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. I think Jake. But literally just on the look. I think that's, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal is a far better actor. Ryan Gosling's just really good at that He's single that part. Yeah. Fantasy Reboot Podcast. Wish I had a million dollars. Hot dog! So, quick run through then. Laura, who have we got for the part of Uncle Billy? Toby Jones. Suggested by? Myself. Mr. Potter, the baddie? Gary Oldman. Suggested by? Myself. I had a good start. To her. Uh, next up for Mary... The wife in uh, the picture. This is where it got a bit dark in here. We had Rooney Mara. Suggested by... Roger. Oh, dear. Dark cloud was cast over the podcast. (laughs) For Clarence Oddbody, the angel, we went for... Dustin Hoffman. And uh, suggested by... Simon. I feel, I, you know, until then, I didn't think I got my name on the board. And finally, for the part of George, um, we went for... Ryan Gosling. Suggested by Roger. Well done, Roger. So we got a two for Laura there, a two for Rog, one for me. And look, Leo, this has got to be one of the first times ever. That's never happened before. I don't think you've ever... If I I thought I was going to win any, I thought Meryl Streep would be like the... I voted And if I'd have been given five seconds to bend the rules like somebody else did today, if I'd have (laughs) bent the rules, I would have picked... I would have changed my vote to Meryl Streep because I was on the fence. I was right in Meryl Streep, so... It's like playing your Tom Hanks. Yeah, Streep is your Tom Hanks there, isn't it? Well, look, guys... Uh, that is the final episode of the first series of Fantasy Reboot Podcast. Uh, just a quickie, could this be a Muppets film? So with the cast we've got, I'm guessing George Berry, Ryan Gosling is the human in it, and uh, everybody else is Muppets. Could it be 
a Muppets film. It has been a Muppets film. Shut your face. T- yeah, TV film in 2002, premiered on NBC. Uh, the film is in homage to It's a Wonderful Life, and uh, it's called A Very Muppets Christmas Movie. <gasps> I nearly film. watched this the other day. Really? Right, we're, that's what we're watching tonight. Don't, don't be disappointed. Kermit the Frog plays George Bailey's So character. is there no human? Bellend. No. Can I just I say... I thought there always was, no? Shrek has also done it. It's a wonderful life. The, fo- the fourth <laughs> really? Shrek film. It's not Shrek the Holmes. Is Shrek going back and seeing what the world would be like without him. Yeah. Like, better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the world would be better without Shrek. Okay, so we're saying yes to a Muppets film? Yeah. Well, if yeah. it's been done. 100%. And uh, let's wrap it up there. Guys, we might have a bit of a Christmas Day treat for you. So when you wake up on Christmas morning, if like me, you have that little bit of time where you're laid in bed and you're feeling a bit like uh, melancholy and uh, <laughs> and you're thinking, uh, let me hear a virtual family argue before I hear my family argue, then keep an eye on your podcast feed because we're going to do something very special for you. On Christmas morning. Okay, guys, let's wrap it up there then. Uh, Thank you very much. Thanks for all the support over the series. Give us a like, give us a five star, whatever it is that you do. And we will see you on Christmas morning. And this is definitely Christmas morning, the end of the first series. (laughs) And possibly forever. Uh, Thanks for listening. We love you lots. Merry Christmas. Bye. Bye. Oh, I'm waving. You have been listening to Fantasy Reboot Podcast with Simon Smedley, Laura Smedley, Roger Pryor and Leo Kirby. Editing and production by Simon Smedley and Roger Pryor and music by Simon Smedley. Email us at fantasyreboot at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Reboot for all the latest news, information on where you can get involved and regular votes so you can have your say on our choices and add your own. Have a great week, watch some films and fantasise, but not too much. You and McGregor could pull off a 20-year-old. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, That's a great sentence. (laughs) Careful. Hey, it's Rog with a bonus, bonus, extra hidden track to finish off the series. Uh, Do you remember a few weeks back when Simon and I attempted to impersonate how Swede-American legend and patriarch of an aesthetically pleasing Hollywood legacy, Stellan Skarsgård, would attempt uh, to interpret the infamous Body of Christ line from The Exorcist? I can't do it. I can't do it without sounding like Anthony Hopkins. He's got a gruff voice, hasn't he? The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. So it goes well. So I, I, I can't not do Anthony Hopkins. The power of Christ compels you. Welsh again. Shocking. Well, I don't know where to even begin with. Uh, I sound like Anthony Hopkins there. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Sorry for putting you through that again. Varying degrees of success. One of us a lot more successful than the other, who just sounded Welsh. But I think you'll agree, neither of us nailed it. We were worried that we'd never really find out how it would have sounded with Stellan Skarsgård in the role of Father Merrin. We wondered if we might be able to get actual Swedes to show us how it should sound. So we reached out to the Swedish podcast listening community for some help. And boy, did we hit pay dirt. So sit back and enjoy... 
Martin Jonsen, Tobias Nostrom, Martin Markusson, Tobjorn Passion, and Magnus Lindby, as they say it like Skarsgård. Takuel, or Taksumike, to all of you. The power of Christ compels 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 you! Merry Christmas.